We have a great podcast this week, and I'm delighted to have Paul Rupert, who, among many other things, is a C-level executive in the cloud communications industry, or also known as CPaaS. Paul is a pioneer in the mobile industry in North America and also in the international market. He tells us how the big CPaaS companies today, such as MessageBird, Twilio, Cinch, Infobip, all owe their origins to the humble SMS message, which is still a key part of the industry. Paul tells his personal story about his career from AT&T to being the founder of Mobile365 and how successful that company was and still is under its new ownership. And he gives his views on why the industry was successful, is successful, and interestingly, what to expect in the future. Finally, we learn a bit about Paul's varied hobbies, and he plays out with an all-American classic, and you'll know what that is as soon as you hear it. It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales. But now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies. That's the Digital Sales Channel. At Netzer, we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, We'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk. Welcome to a great podcast this week, and I'm really delighted to have Paul Rupert, who is a well-known executive in the CPaaS industry. Now, before I would get into that, that's basically messaging for the purpose of a conversation. So we're going to play this out, and you'll understand what I mean. So first of all, Paul, welcome. Great to see you again, and we had great fun last time we talked. <laughs> Good to be here, Pat. Thanks very much for the invitation. Right. And just for the audience, um, I'm just going to say a little bit. You and I have a lot of experience in the messaging industry, starting with SMS, which is still going and in some ways is going strength to strength, despite it's the uh, WhatsApp, etc. And you went down a really interesting road, which has brought you to CPaaS, which is communications platform as a service for people who might know, which is just a burgeoning industry now and has some of the highest valuations the big names like Cinch, Infobip, Twilio are out there and going gangbusters. So that's going to be a really interesting topic. Myself, based on, in Dublin, um, we went down the software road. And as you know, and I know, there's a lot of companies in Dublin that are in, in messaging, in signaling it, with software expertise. So it's, it was quite interesting once we started talking to compare notes. So that's what we're going to do. Indeed. Yeah, our paths both originated at the same point, yeah. if you will, <clears throat> and may have diverged a little bit, 
but um, they've come together again after 20 years of a, uh, the cultural <laughs> phenomenon of messaging and so, what's happened with messaging. So, so maybe tell, tell the, the listeners, you know, some of your big steps in your career. Sure. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get recruited into um, one of the first GSM operators that launched in North America. And that was in 1996, uh, a long, long time ago, uh, relative to this business. Uh, and I was very lucky uh, because it was what we would call over here on this side of the pond, Dodge City. Um, this was a technology that was lighting everything up. And that was essentially untethered communications. We went from wire lines, as you and I always call them, to what is called wireless, again, on this side of the pond, sure. or in most other parts of the world, mobile. And I, I defer to mobile back to, well, we've just untethered ourselves from this piece of technology that's plugged into the wall. And now all of a sudden we've got this little device that everybody watched in Star Trek, either the yeah. first time around or in reruns. And wow, it works. And so that's how I got into the space uh, and very quickly ended up being a little bit more of a, you know, the, the team that connives together, survives together <laughs> in the context of, um, I happen to be half French. Okay. Uh, I was given a job as a product development director, even though I was hired as a business development director and I'd spent nine months essentially putting together a rental business for handsets because mm -hmm. back then the radio technology didn't roam, you know, meaning if you had come from uh, Vodafone Ireland and gotten off a plane in San Francisco, your phone didn't work in San Francisco. And so a business was built around that so that visitors like yourself or people who were traveling from, let's say, San Francisco to Dublin were going to be able to utilize their phone in that market. Um, and moving, moving down the road a bit, Paul, you were one of the founders of what today is, is still a huge company, but was, uh, was known as Mobile 365 for a lot of its That's time. right. Yeah. So I went into a startup directed by a VC that I left after five years inside this large uh, mobile network operator that is now known today as AT&T. Um, and um, who's that again, Paul? AT&T, American <laughs> Telephone and Telegraph. <laughs> oh, what's a telephone and what's a telegraph? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the reality is that, um, uh, you know, I ended up having a great international role um, negotiating those roaming agreements that I mentioned. And one of the aspects was that uh, roaming agreements are usually the ones that frame the interaction of what's now known as SMS, text messaging. And a venture capitalist that I knew, a good friend of mine was telling me about, he was presenting a term sheet to a startup that had created a IP-based solution that allowed to break down that native GSM SMS usage Mm -hmm. and send it to all the other, as we would call in the business, the radio formats. So that meant to CDMA, you know, which was back then Verizon in the United States, or TDMA, which back then was also AT&T in the United States, or IDEN, which is now known as Sprint. So these are all the types of radio interaction. And that was quite intriguing to me. And he also had, a, he was a visionary in the sense that 
He said, you know, no one's thinking in the company about the fact that there are 1,100 mobile network operators around the world who are going to want to send messages into the United States because their friends, their families, their businesses, anyone who's associated with someone who might be coming from Dublin, mm-hmm. might Dublin, Ireland, might want to actually text somebody in Dublin, Ohio. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's how we got up. We, we, I got in and I, I told them, you've got to go global from the start. And the biggest motivation for them at the time was um, it'll be a differentiator, whether we do an IPO or whatever liquidity event strategically and, and downline. You're, you're very right there, Paul, because I mean, clearly the one of the big advantages of text messaging uh, as an SMS text messaging was its international reach, even from fairly early days, which was pretty unique. Absolutely. I mean, the whole foundation of Global System Mobile, GSM, was founded because the EU, uh, back then the EC, was looking for technology that would allow its citizens to go from Dublin, Ireland, to Paris, to Luxembourg, to Geneva, to Rome, and and London, and make sure that the phones would work. Because you can drive four hours, and you can go through three different countries in Europe. Here in the United States, you can drive four hours and still be in Texas. Yeah. You can be driving all day long and still be in Texas. But you get the idea. You know, that was that was the vision that I saw. And I then implemented five years down the road. We took it from essentially about a million dollars in revenues to about 120 million in revenues. And we sold the company to Sybase to a real visionary named John Chen, who's the CEO and founder of Sybase. Um, for about four hundred thirty million dollars. Wow, so. that's that's a fantastic story. And it's, I mean, Sybase has moved. The company today is part of the Cinch Group, but it's still a, a huge business. And both of us know people there, and it's it's a it's a huge success story. A fair news to you. I mean, I think you had the insight. So you're what you describe as a C level C pass executive. C pass being the as I explained earlier, the sort of tag for the industry. But maybe talk a little bit about what does CPAS mean? Why is this now more than messaging or maybe it's multiple channels of messaging? What is that industry and how has it developed? Yeah, so the messaging business can, you can look at a number of different stages in its development. Initially, it was just people sending texts to people. And after a fashion, some very clever, sometimes not the most honest companies and individuals realized that messages could be flown, uh, could be flooded into networks um, to be able to reach individual consumers. The carriers decided, meaning the mobile network operators decided, okay, we've got to be able to put some controls on that. And in doing so, uh, looking, responding to a technological threat, they created a commercial opportunity. So they set up a standalone parallel business, just looking at what is called application to person messaging, otherwise known as A2P in the three letter acronym world, um, or enterprise messaging. So it's essentially a computer communicating directly via text with individuals that you allow them to do that. So every time you get a notification on, um, you know, your flight being late or uh, a reminder to go get your vaccination for your COVID or even horoscopes that you might've signed up for, that's the business. And so as, and then around uh, in the late 2000s, 2007, 2008, with the advent of the smartphone, the business kind of shifted because now you had new entrants, what are called adjacent players, 
who disrupted the enterprise messaging business because they were able to communicate via what are called over the top. Mm-hmm. Again, an OTT play. So that became another parallel messaging platform. They're isolated because the beauty of SMS, the true value add, the killer application, if you will, is the fact that it is completely universally ubiquitous now. So whether you're in Uwagadugu in sub-Saharan Africa, or whether you're in you know, Dublin, or whether you're in Portland, Oregon, that message will be sent and delivered through the network of networks, which is mobile network operators, and the guys who are in between, like the mobile 365 businesses. Yeah, so I that's how the, mass, how the messaging yeah. business has, has transpired. And uh, now- just, just, Sorry, Paul, just to capture that. So like people talk about WhatsApp, I think WhatsApp has 2 billion, 2.5 billion users. But essentially you're saying every phone in the world, of which there's probably 6 billion, every one of them can receive a text message. That's correct. That's the, that's a, the, an SMS-based text message. Yeah. Okay, and that's the difference between WhatsApp the only the WhatsApp will send that text message to you only if you are a WhatsApp user. Now, not there are no five billion users of WhatsApp for first off, you know. And as we know, um, there are many countries where the average number of uh, phones or mobile subscriptions per person is almost two or three phones per person. Places like yeah. in Taiwan, Hong Kong, etc. Your, wife, your um, so, wife's phone and your girlfriend's phone. That's what you're talking about. You got it. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer, the leader in digital sales channels for telecoms. Thank you for listening to our amazing innovators tell their stories. And I have to say, I mean, I can, if you go back, I used to write a blog in, in 2009, 2010, 2011, and I actually uh, did a case study of a product analysis, a service that CSL was offering so that when uh, you were in mainland China, if you were to call me, it's the ringtone made it sound like you were still in domestic Hong Kong. Oh, very well, clever. That's very interesting, isn't it? So <laughs> what, what market are they trying to angle for that they are trying to appeal? Well, you know, the reality of that is that it's essentially the girlfriend market in mainland China, so that your wife, when she calls, is unaware is unaware of where you actually are. Okay, we, um, we won't we won't pick on the Chinese. I think this is a universal phenomenon. In, in fairness, yeah, but indeed. But, but uh, so so mm. but some of the big companies that are stars of this are, are like Cinch and Twilio. Could you talk a little bit? About what are they offering? Why are people so attracted to, to these companies? Yeah, so a couple of things. You know, when we talk about CPaaS, we're really talking about the means of what used to be the bits and bytes, all the machinery that was, let's say, uh, on-premise was telecommunications capabilities where you had to connect with, you know, literally physically make connections. You know, now all of that has been raised up into the cloud, like the software as a service solution. And so now we have communications platforms as a service. And those platforms, those means of being able to communicate with individuals is messaging, as we're talking about text messaging, OTT messaging in terms of are they able to communicate with the OTT players? Even though it's not ubiquitous, it can still be sent off to them. Mm -hmm. Um, It also includes voice. So if you've got different types of voice solutions, 
It also can include email. And as we're all living through you know, the reality of video, it can include video like Zoom calling. So the concept of a CPAS is you bring all these platforms together and you go to, let's say, an American Express or United Airlines and say, we can engage your customers far more uh, efficiently and more directly and more cheaply than you trying to do this and manage it across all these different silos, all these different platforms. And <clears throat> so that's the, that's the conceptual value proposition of a CPAS. And now, uh, one last thing is, who was doing that first? Who was communicating with individuals in their customer experience? Well, you could say that web chat is one of those solutions, but guess what? SMS precedes web chat. Mm -hmm. So the notion of, and, and the reality is that if you look at the engagement rate, how fast people will actually engage with these various forms of communication, the fastest is SMS. Mm. You know, and, and it, the measures are that usually on a global basis, people will answer or open up an SMS within about 90 seconds. Okay. Yeah. And meanwhile, an email may just be completely ignored, never responded to. But it's that intimacy of SMS. Maybe it's because it's 160 characters at its beginning. I assert that much of it is due to the fact that long before phones came around and us texting, we were writing little small notes in class, <laughs> passing it over to the girl next to you to get to the boy next to her All right, yeah. so that you could... And, and the last piece is, this is something else that I've, it's a personal belief again, that the glimpseability factor of text messaging, you can look at your phone, even in the old days, the small, you know, feature phones as they're now called, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you could look at it and you don't need to read it. Your brain is already recognizing because there are only a few words there, exactly what's being said or the meaning of that. Mm -hmm. And is goes back to that intimacy of the communication. If somebody, you've, you've given them your telephone number, you don't need to be bothered by taking a call, yeah. um, but you can glimpse it, react to it, respond to it extremely quickly. You don't need to be writing tons and tons of paragraphs. That's how it was originally based. Yeah, so that's the technical it. advantage of all of this and how yeah. the technical aspects are. In, in, but in a certain way, it's probably a psychological advantage too. I think, I think that's what you're pointing out as well. It's, it's, I mean, you're showing great insight there. I think it's sort of like you don't, if, if, if you get a, a message, you can think about responding in your, in your own way, in your own time. Where do you exactly? Think, you, you're a, um, quite a strategist for the industry, and I know a lot of companies come and talk to you. What should they be looking out for, Paul? What's, where do you think this is going to go next? It certainly had a, a fantastic rise over the last decade, uh, the valuations of these companies, the number of services, the number of customers, it's phenomenal. Where, where do you think this is going to go next? Yeah, well, I think there's a convergence in terms of the functionality, as I just mentioned. And the interest that's behind it is really a, a newfound interest. Because up to now, the movement of an SMS was really a commodity basis. Why is it a commodity? Well, there aren't many economic units in the world that are measured in teens of trillions of units sent mm -hmm. and engaged on an annual basis. 
text messaging is one of them, okay? And so as a result of that explosion, the cultural phenomenon and the cultural use, regardless of what culture you're from in the world, um, that's how deep the pool is now. And over the last two years is there's been a shift and that shift came again from outside the industry, which was digitalization. And what is digitalization? Well, the reality is it's automation of enterprises and business. So everything moves so much faster. So the cycles that we are involved in have becoming more and more compressed. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that compression, there are enterprises are looking for means to be able to communicate more effectively and at the speed and choice of consumers. So now we have, let's say, as I mentioned, I think there were five different uh, platforms that we're talking about relative to CPAS, but the vast majority of people still prefer text messaging as the means to be able to communicate and resolve an issue. Mm -hmm. Now, as we move forward where we are right now, we've got video exploding in terms of the usage of video. It's becoming much more commonplace much like SMS occurred or the, the response to SMS, which occurred in the late 90, 1990s and early 2000s. So as enterprises move forward and wanting to have that end consumer experience and the end consumer experience is really framed as to what is most convenient for the con consumer. It's not the coolest, really? it's what's most con convenient. Mm -hmm. And that convenience has got to go across all the different cohorts, you know, you and I were old war horses <laughs> where we used to have telephones, you know, <clears throat> and I'm old enough to remember as a child, rotary telephones. And when we got push button telephones, that was a major deal in my household. We skip over that part. Okay, yeah, I, I remember them too. <laughs> exactly. So the point here is that it's all driven. Again, this is my perspective. It's all driven by the motivation and the convenience to the consumer. And yes, if we're able to tap into, um, let's say unarticulated demand that they might have, mm -hmm. that they just don't know that this new technology is something that's really gonna help them out, they'll still come running. So as companies move forward as to how to be able to engage all this, I assert, and I am biased because I come from this industry, that messaging is going to is the foundation of all of the CPAS engagement. And as you though you ticked off those companies that are getting a lot of attention, like you know, let's say MessageBird, which is privately held, or InfoBip, which is privately held, or publicly traded companies like Calera or Route Mobile um, or Twilio or Cinch, all those that we've just gone through, um, all of those companies, their heritage is in SMS, interoperability, interconnectivity, transport, and the business, the commercial models that are now existing in the um, CPAS space are messaging driven and they are derivatives of the messaging commercial models. Okay. So moving forward, that's mm -hmm. gonna be the driving lens that enterprises need to look at this opportunity. And then secondarily, it becomes, what are the other functionalities that you can bring to the table? Okay. Uh, look, that's, that's a brilliant summary of the industry. And, and you're saying it's it, the strength it had, the, the main, uh, the messaging backbone of this is still what's going to drive it going forward. So some great insight there. 
Now, how can people contact you, Paul? If uh, I'm sure companies will be interested in your point of view. Well, I, I happen to have a website um, that's called globalpointview.com. You can also find me uh, directly through my email address, which is prupert, P-R-U-P-P-E-R-T, 888 at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. And I'm also on Instagram. If you're interested in some of my hobbies, which include <laughs> being a ski instructor, clay shooter, you know, know traveler, etc. I didn't know you shot clays. I shoot clays. Well, we should go clay shooting sometime. <laughs> I'm, I'm not bad. Uh, I shoot with three guys that are really extraordinarily good. And to be honest, they have dragged my butt into being um, a competitive clay shooter. But I'm at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to this. Uh, okay. I mean, I've only been shooting for about four years now. So. Okay, well, that's, that's the next podcast, Paul. And on, in this podcast, the guest nominates the playout song. So I'd be interested. I'm very interested, actually, to hear what, you, what you're going yeah, to say. Yeah, you know... <laughs> This is one of the, one of the most uh, um, hand wringing exercises I've had <laughs> in the last week or two, you know. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I, I remember the Bee Gees when I was a little kid and staying alive. And and then I even talked to somebody who's a little much younger than I am, who's in his late twenties, and he suggested something from Kid Rock and Machine Gun Kelly, but um, that would be probably censored if i even gave you the title of it let's just call it bad mother trucking or okay, you know whatever you. you want to call it we got you um but i'll probably land on uh, bon jovi's it's my life so oh that's a great choice that's a great choice and that and uh, you can't beat new jersey somehow grows them i don't know how it does it but it does it so well i'm a suburban kid from midwestern cleveland ohio but um yeah I, you know and the other story about Bon Jovi is, you know, John Bon Jovi is an extremely, incredibly smart guy and extremely talented creatively. And even as, you know, as a business executive, um, it just uh, a huge empire underneath bon, John Bon Jovi. So I, I, I see I saw something where he, he helps out in a local shelter and he just washes the dishes unassumingly in the back room um, a, a few times. So he, he's, I don't think he's he has a, an inflated view of himself, which is unusual. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, he strikes me as one of those guys that uh, I used to run presidential campaigns and it was always kind of like, you know, would you have a beer with this guy? Yeah, I would definitely have a beer with John, <laughs> John Bon Jovi. So. All right. Brilliant, Paul. Thanks very much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Pat. I hope your uh, audience enjoyed it. For the broken hearted A silent prayer for faithy parted And I ain't gonna be just a face in the crowd You're gonna hear my voice when I shout it out loud It's my
Yeah.